We're the Avengers. We can bust arms dealers all the live long day, but that up there, that's, that's the end game. How are you guys planning on beating that? Together. Welcome everybody to the April episode of the Monthly Movie Dispatch. This is Dick Moffat. I'm here with Derek Deal. Hey. And Brandon Bowlby. Hey guys. So this episode, we're going to be going over uh, the movies that we saw in the month of April, uh, doing short reviews on some of the smaller movies, and then doing feature reviews for three of our biggest ones, including Avengers Infinity War. Guys, I'm so excited about talking about Avengers. We saw it this last week, and uh, I just I wish that we were just getting into it right now. <laughs> yeah, I just walked out of the theater like an hour ago from seeing it. Uh, last week, we put out a, a short episode going over our summer movie wager. So uh, that's going to be going on right now. You guys can go and check out our feed and listen to that one. But the first thing on our podcast is going to be our our shorts. Brand, do you want to kick us off with Ready Player One? Um, maybe. I didn't really like this movie all that much. I thought it was one of Steven Spielberg's worst films. Um, other than maybe some like really spectacular, well-done CGI that was pretty above a lot of the competition that's going out right now. Um, I thought almost nothing came together and the characters and the relationships basically sucked and I did not enjoy this film. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) So mean. I thought it was actually, I mean, yeah. I, it's not. It's not like a great movie. I definitely had a lot of fun. I thought like a lot of the ideas and concepts that they wanted to play with. I thought that they actually did pretty well. I thought they got like gamer culture and how it would evolve in this um, in this kind of world. I thought that worked really well and seemed realistic to me. Yeah, I thought it was just kind of a really, it was just a fun action movie. I don't think it really had a lot of depth, which was totally fine. Yeah. wasn't really expecting it to, but I thought a lot of the references weren't as in your face as they looked in the trailer. I thought they actually worked pretty well, and especially that first like uh, third of the movie, I thought flowed really well, and the first big action set piece was pretty exhilarating. Um, I think the funness yeah. really came out because of Steven Spielberg's pace and how well he can do that in almost all his films. Right, I think that was a strong point. Oh, I was just to say, I think like that 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 cha- the big car chase in the beginning, kind of sold me on the rest of the movie. It like bought me into it, and so I was pretty on board for everything. Whether or not it was like everything came together perfectly well, I don't think it did, but. All the set pieces I actually really enjoyed quite a bit and uh, was pleasantly surprised on how well they were done and uh, how well they worked in the story. Yeah, I mean, I thought Ready Player One was pretty fun. Um, Pretty much that was it for me. I thought it was kind of just a pretty fun movie. I was pretty into it the whole time, but I didn't really think too much about, like, I feel like there's probably a lot of problems with it, but also just... I kind of bought into the movie and just had a great time watching it. Um, but I didn't think the movie really wanted you to think too much into it. It kind of just, to me, it was just like, a, it was a fun blockbuster movie. That was Ready Player One that will be out on DVD in probably a month or two. Derek, you saw a movie called Blockers. What were your thoughts on that one? 
Um, it was pretty good. It was, uh, it was, a, okay, so it's, a, it's like a raunchy rated R comedy and, uh, stars John Cena and Leslie Mann and Ike Barinholtz. It's pretty much they're trying to stop their children from having sex on prom night. I don't really know how they did it. Like it, this is when I watched the trailer for that movie, it's almost a little cringy to me, but the movie, it's actually pretty good. They work that story very well. They, uh, create a pretty good cast where the, the, the children actually almost outshine like the big movie stars in the movie. They actually have a lot of really funny moments and a lot of aspects that, come into consideration when girls reach that age and how boys interact with them, how parents, and it's just like, it's kind of like a little minefield. And I think they did a really good job at figuring out how to work that into a story that doesn't feel like sexist or anything like that. They, I don't know. They were, they pulled it off. Just everything flows really well and it's pretty damn funny. So yeah, I'm shocked that people are liking this movie. Like like you said, that trailer was so super cringy. But yeah. all around, this has been getting like good word of mouth. I'll probably uh, rent this when it comes out later. Yeah. It's pretty cool seeing John Cena kind of uh, making it. <laughs> yeah, and he plays kind of a different character, too. Like He's still like physically John Cena, but uh, mentally in the movie, he's like, just a very different kind of person that you'd expect right and just his body type he can't not be john cena in a movie right <laughs> yeah that was blockers that should still be in theaters right now cool well i saw a movie on netflix that i want to tell you guys about it was called the ritual so basically it's about these friends who weekly they do like a yearly trip together and this time they decide to go into the woods like go not into the woods they decide to go on this big epic hike and then you know they kind of decide to take a shortcut through these woods and you know, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good movie um I I I see a lot of people gain uh different opinions on it and i'm kind of in the middle i think that it could be a really effective scare like there's definitely some really good tension building and some really creative elements that you don't always see in horror movies or see in movies in general but um for me it kind of just it didn't really fully hit as hard as i felt like it was it was trying to so um but it was you know it's on netflix it's it's a pretty decent horror movie if if you like that kind of thing cool that movie was The Ritual. It's available right now on Netflix. Um, Brandon, you saw a movie that you wanted to tell us about? Yes, I saw You Were Never Really Here a couple weeks ago. This is a film directed by Lynn Ramsey. I think it's finally getting its more wide release in other states and cities. I was so ecstatic about this movie. It is like absolutely going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. It is so brilliant. And so subtle, like even the whole night I was like trying to put the pieces together in my head and I was like texting my friend, like what I was coming up with. And like this movie doesn't hold your hand and it's the perfect movie to like go and see again and keep thinking about. It's pretty brutal and violent and deals with some really heavy subject matter and also is pretty psychological as well. Um, but I can't wait for you guys to see this and it's amazing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, 
I definitely want to see it. I just haven't. It came to Seattle quite a bit later than than it did uh, New York City, I think. And it's I think it's only been here for about a week. So just haven't had a chance. That was You Will Never Really Hear. It's in theaters now. Derek, uh, what was the next movie you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I saw this movie called I Kill Giants. I don't even know how I came across it. It was a couple weeks, no, probably a couple months ago I found this trailer. And it just looked really interesting. It kind of, after watching it, it's nothing like it. But it kind of just made me think of Colossus. It's just like, it had like this strange story about normal people, but there's like these big monsters and stuff. And so... I decided to check it out, and I was pleasantly surprised. It was really great. It's um, it's it's really good at reminding adults how crazy it is that children have to like live in the same world as us, like go through a lot of the same crazy, like terrifying things that adults have to, but they don't have all the tools to to deal with it like adults should you know that that's what i really got out of it and i really i thought it was a really great movie Re- recommend it to everyone it's i don't think it's coming out in theaters from what i understand and uh but you can watch it online on uh, youtube or voodoo and all the streaming services so it sounds really interesting i'm gonna have to go check that out that movie is I Kill Giants, and it's available to rent on Vudu and YouTube and other online places. Derek, uh, you had another movie you saw in theaters. Yeah. Um, this is just like a generic rom-com, honestly. I Feel Pretty is uh, Amy Schumer's newest movie. Um, it was totally fine. <laughs> I don't know. It does, I don't really have any opinion. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, Amy Schumer is like, kind of not that funny to me anymore. But I think that the movie was decently funny, and um, some of the supporting actors were actually really great in it, but that's about... So it was no Trainwreck 2.0? No, not at all. So I almost saw this movie, because uh, like, Shannon thought the trailer was really funny. Yeah. Like, so we were like thinking about going, and just... I mean, I feel like either the concept's going to hit for you, and you're going to find it hilarious, or maybe you won't. Right. The concept, for the record, actually works really well. It's just overall, in general, like, I don't know how funny it is, but it's pretty, it's like a feel-good rom-com, you know? That was I Feel Pretty. It should still be in theaters right now. Well, those are short reviews, and now we're going to get into the three movies that each of us has seen. Um, The first one is Wes Anderson's new film, Isle of Dogs. The brief plot description is set in Japan. Isle of Dogs follows a boy's Aussie in search for his lost dog. Real quick, uh, before we get into Isle of Dogs, I just wanted to try something with you guys. Um, Wes Anderson's, you know, I, I think I can speak freely and say that we all three of us love Wes Anderson movies. Um, oh, yeah. I want to go around and say which, which one is your favorite. So, like, Derek, what's your favorite Wes Anderson movie? Royal Tenenbaums. And, uh, Brandon, what about you? Life Aquatic. Okay, okay. See, I'd go with the Royal Ten Bombs as well, but um, I feel like I personally feel like everyone has a different favorite Wes Anderson movie. Like my friend Nick, his favorite is uh, Bottle Rocket. No. <laughs> and, is it uh, really? Uh, like, 
like uh, another one of my college roommates had like his wedding like themed based on Moonrise Kingdom, and like a lot of oh, you, cool. you know, a lot a lot of you guys like that new one, uh, Hotel Grand Budapest Hotel. You know, like there's a lot of like, Rushmore fans out there too. Grand Budapest Hotel is my favorite one to recommend people. I feel like it's the easiest entry into Wes Anderson because it's like totally just nonstop, like constantly just his style, like all over the place. But it's also like probably the silliest and funniest, I feel personally. And so it's like the easiest to just jump into and just like casually watch. That's why I, I love recommending that movie all the time. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like Wes Anderson's a guy who each of his movies is, is like specifically a, so much his style like you can't Wes Anderson can't escape being a Wes Anderson movie but in that there's usually enough difference of a plot or a, something fun about it that makes it unique I find that everyone kind of has their own flavor of Wes Anderson right so that being said like where does uh like I Love Dogs st- stick in there like does it have something that's special Brandon what do you think I would put I Love Dogs uh mid to slightly lower in his overall career, which is still great because I love pretty much every single one of his movies, um, maybe slightly besides Bottle Rocket just because it's his kind of first and most amateur. But um, even Isle of Dogs was really fun and really special. I think he really is riding off of his new like style that he got in Grand Budapest Hotel with just nonstop like, adventure and just nonstop, like the story just keeps rolling forward at every moment. I think this is like maybe one of his most complex movies as far as how many characters there are and how many different things are happening and like all the little adventures everyone is constantly going on. It just is like a very chaotic, style-heavy film for Wes Anderson, uh, similar to his last one. And that's good and bad. I think it makes it really fun and funny, but I think he kind of lost some of the more like poetic stuff that is in um, some of his better films. It didn't really like pause and breathe and kind of show you some more beautiful moments. But overall, just like Wes Anderson always does, it's a great and fun and funny film. Yeah, I, I totally see what you mean with the chaotic stuff. Um, they did this thing that I thought that, w- that was really creative. They did a lot of like quick flashbacks to like build up the mythology of the kind of unique world that they were in, you know what I'm talking about? They would be like, oh, and this is something that happened years and years ago, and then kind of go into that, tell a quick story, and then jump back into what our characters are doing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think I agree. Like, Brandon, exactly what you said is almost exactly what I was thinking. Like, I, I put that movie right in the same place, kind of mid to lower tier. I think it moves really well. Like, he has this down to a science he does like he doesn't make very many mistakes anymore but uh just overall i think it was a little it wasn't quite as fun as some of his other movies and like he said it probably wasn't as touching or sentimental as a lot of his earlier movies you know when we talk back to like royal tenenbaums and life aquatic and compared to his newer style grand budapest and isle of dogs i think yeah that that slower pace kind of lends itself to having the more emotional moments kind of hang and they have just a different effect on you i think and i think this movie maybe lacks some of that but overall i definitely enjoy it a lot it's just uh, not my favorite of his films still really technically 
incredible, though. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the animation, guys? I mean, that was like the mo- that was the most standout thing for me. I thought the animation yeah. was very impressive, incredible. I'm already thinking like ahead at the Oscars. Like, is a Wes Anderson film finally going to win, or is Pixar Incredibles two just going to steal it back again? Or Hotel Transylvania three? <laughs> I don't know about like the Oscars. It's just that's so far out. Like, uh, will people remember it by then for for awards consideration kind of thing? Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. I saw some sort of stat that was about how like a minute of film for that movie would take them like, you know, a week or something like just uh, how how long that process is. Just uh, yeah, I don't know, it's very impressive. So, yeah, I feel like the ending of Isle of Dogs was a little bit rushed, especially with the stuff that was going on off island with how fast paced this movie is. I didn't necessarily think they developed the politics very clearly and very well. And kind of when everything was colliding at the climax, it moved by a little bit too quickly for me. And I wished the movie was already kind of a little long for an animated movie, but I do wish they had given that ending a little bit slower of a pace and more time to actually play out. Totally. Um, overall, I, I thought it was pretty good though. Like, I think I gave it like four stars on a letterbox just cause I felt like it was, it was like a, it was a good ride, you know. It was a good, it was a good like journey. Our was, expectations are so high; it's almost unfair. I don't know. I'd recommend this movie to like people who like animation. You know, if you're not gonna normally see an animated movie, I, you know, might not say you have to go out of the way for this one. But you know, if you if you like animation, you should watch this this movie. Shout out to the Oracle Pug. <laughs> so cute, so cute. All right, that was Isle of Dogs. That should be in theaters or coming out on DVD within the month or two. Okay, so uh, let's get into our next movie. A movie that made a buttload of money, a horror film, uh, A Quiet Place, was released on the 6th of April, early April, and it pretty much made money throughout. Um, it was directed by John Krasinski, the short plot summary. A family is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. Um, Derek, do you want to give us a brief rundown of your thoughts on this movie? Uh, sure. Yeah, I thought it was great. It's cool to see that like this horror renaissance we've had these last couple of years is just still going. I think this is just the new age of horror where we're just going to have like just the, the standard has been raised as of late where it feels like every big horror movie that comes out just is good right now. Not every big movie. I know we had like Truth or Dare and stuff like that, but it's just, it's really cool to see like these big concept movies making a lot of money and being pretty well made, you know, overall. But as this movie goes, I think the concept itself, it, it's so big. It's such a cool idea that it does a lot of the heavy lifting for it. Like having a world uh, that's not without sound, but a world that they're not allowed to make sound is just fascinating. And like the design of the houses and everything is just kind of lends, like that concept just lends itself to so much world building. So um, outside of that, I think that once you start stepping away from the big concept, I think the movie has some issues. I think that concept, like, that's why you go to see the movie, is like this, it's just such a cool and unique thing, but uh, some of the actual plot points, I think, maybe fall a little short at times, but overall, I think it was really effective, it was pretty damn scary, 
and um, really exciting. Like, from the get-go, that opening scene, like, I haven't been that shocked in movie theaters, in, in the theater, in a really long time. I haven't actually had that moment where I put my hands to my mouth and looked around at the people around me to see how they were reacting. But that that happened in this movie in the first five minutes. And uh, from there, it was just it was just a really fun ride all the way to the end. Yeah, that opening scene is something else. I I feel like that opening scene set the tone of like expectation for the theater. You know, like people kind of sit down and they're shuffling around or eating popcorn. And then the first scene is so good and so shocking that it's kind of like you have to be quiet for this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It totally, like, just shuts up the theater, and it's just dead silent after that. <laughs> On screen and off screen. Right. Because um, I know, like, that was that was honestly something I was nervous about, because uh, I, I saw it on, like, a Friday night, like, a few weeks after it had already come out, so it wasn't, like, a film crowd. It was, like, you know, a, like, kind of kids not doing anything, going to see a PG-13 movie kind of crowd. And right. I was like, oh, man, are people going to be, like, you know, are kids going to be talking and ruining this for me? And they kind of, like, you know, people weren't quiet. The first, Like, I, I don't think anyone was necessarily talking, but it was, like, you know, a lot of noise, kind of, like, murmuring. And then uh, that opening scene happened, and it was pretty, like, no one moved the rest of the movie. Right. And the, the, the tension in that movie was so, so good and... Yeah, yeah. I think that opening scene really set that up. Yeah. So, um, uh, Brandon, what about you? What are your thoughts on A Quiet Place? I think the tension in this film is its strongest point, for sure. I think this movie has, like, one of the best 15-minute runs in, like, horror films in a long time. Midpoint through the movie, the moment the things start moving... It is just like you can't breathe. You have your hands over your mouth and you feel your heart pounding from 15, 20 minutes straight. Uh, like that is that is so hard to do and so incredible. I also had a ton of problems with this movie and me and you, Nick, we talked about it earlier last week and it actually kind of helped because one of my main problems was like with that opening, I didn't notice that the girl gave her brother the toy. <laughs> And so that really like ruined pretty much all the emotional moments for the rest of the film because they didn't make any sense to me. I was like, why (laughs) is he like the meanest dad who can't simply say I love you to his daughter? Like, I don't understand what's happening here. And I like blamed the movie so hard (laughs) the entire time. (laughs) And I still think the ending probably is too much regardless of that and super cheesy for the those some of those last moments uh, when that like kind of culminates, but I think it did ruin some of the movie for me. Not not getting the intro. That's um, kind of funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> like uh, unfortunate, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like that happens sometimes with me for movies too. You just kind of you, you might blink miss at the just, wrong time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how long your blinks are, but you know, <laughs> yeah, th- things happen. <laughs> Yeah, I really liked this movie. I I bought into it, you know, the concept was big enough for me to just kind of accept that they were in a dire situation from the get-go, and I just I I just thought the tension was so effective and like like this movie used a lot of jump scares, not a lot, but there definitely were jump scares, but I thought they were really like some of the best in years. Usually I'm kind of like 
you know, it's a, it's a cheap move that horror movies can use, but because the tension was already there, the way they used them really worked. And, um, my, my problem with the movie wasn't even like in the details of the concept falling apart. It was more in that, like, it was just not a subtle movie in the slightest. You know, they definitely did things that were like, like really whether like something's like written on the wall or they like, they really just hammer in that something's going to happen or is happening. They just, they were very like obvious with almost everything that they did in that movie, which like was fine because it set the tone of that's how the movie was. And it was a horror movie. It's a PG 13 horror movie. And I like, like I'm telling you, I loved it. I was bought into it, but it just, it didn't reach like that next level of like, you know, that upper echelon of like artistic, you know, horror for me because it just kind of, uh, it was just pretty obvious in some parts. Yeah, I wonder like how much of that comes from them not fully believing that this movie was going to work just as a concept. Like uh, being a movie where they already know, like, okay, no one's going to speak in this movie. Like, we just, you can't have words in this movie. So, how are we going to like get across certain things? And I think, like, I know specifically, like, writing on the wall. It was very, like, in-your-face, like, one of the most unsettled things about the movie. But And I think, like, maybe they underestimate the audience that, like, those... The things they had written on the wall were things that were in, inherently already in our heads. So, like... And we know that, obviously, it's in all of their heads. So there's no reason they really need to have, like, big, bold, like, proclamations and questions, like, written... Like, those kind of things... I think like just could have been taken completely out of the movie. It wouldn't have, it it would have benefited them a lot. It didn't, they weren't necessary at all. It wasn't even just like heavy handed. I think like it just wasn't necessary. A lot of those things, like we, we can come to those conclusions ourselves and we ask those questions inherently based off just the whole concept of the movie. I do think Brandon, like what you were saying about that, there's a moment in the movie it's very clear when things really start going and it becomes like the super tense situation. But I, part of me thinks that that section should have been like the climax of the whole movie, like the big finale, because it kind of, without getting too far into spoilers, but it kind of feels like their whole world revolved around what happened. Like everything about their farm and how they plan out their days and just everything revolved around this set piece that was going to happen eventually in the movie. Right. And then it happens, but we're only halfway through the movie. So then it gets over. And like, I kind of wish that they just had it, you know, just like put the pedal to the metal all the way to the end of the film. So maybe move that section back. Yeah. They kind of, they kind of took a different direction. I'm with you, Derek. Like, I think that they could have, they could have had what happened in the movie go to the ending of the movie, but instead they kind of, they kind of took a turn and that thing wasn't the main part of the movie. They took a turn and had them kind of go in a different direction to the end of the movie. And I, I'm with you. Like, I don't know if it needed to be, it didn't need to be the, the ending that they ended up with. It might've been stronger if they, I, I feel like I'm speaking in code talking about this, <laughs> but I think they could have changed some things and made the ending a little stronger. I could agree to that. Mm-hmm. And and my biggest, one of my biggest problems with the film, 
was also for me the world building. I know a lot of horror movies you got to give so much benefit of the doubt for making the monster or the demon make sense, but with the concept of this movie using sci-fi, I was questioning way too many things and getting inside my head to try to make sense of this world. And I don't think they also gave enough time in the middle for them to develop like all the rules and how survival worked, what you would actually do as a family in that situation. And it's maybe a little unfair to a small budget horror movie like this, but with the concept that it gave me, I was, I was overthinking everything. Well, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I feel like I could say more, but I'm like about to go into spoilers. Like if I start <laughs> yeah. like talking about like ideas of what they could have done differently to make it better, you know, it'd be like talking about spoilers. So, um, overall it's definitely worth, yeah, it's definitely scary. It's definitely worth seeing. And it's a pretty big movie this year. So I think it's, it's a pretty big accomplishment as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're into horror, you should definitely watch this movie. And if you're like into good movies, you should probably watch it too. But, um, you know, it's, it's a big, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big surprise for everybody this year. It mostly works. Just there's, there's some big picture things that we kind of, uh, can't help but see. So Anyway, that was A Quiet Place. Uh, it should still be in theaters right now. So for the final review of this episode, we're going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War. Just to read the brief plot summary, the Avengers and their allies must be willing to sacrifice all in an attempt to defeat the powerful Thanos before his blitz of devastation and ruin puts an end to the universe. Um, this is the new Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. It's the 19th in the series. Uh, pretty much this is the culmination of everything that they've been doing for the last 10 years. 10 years. Um, real quick, just in case you you know uh, are wondering, this, is, this movie has pretty much everybody in it. It's got Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Captain America, Black Widow, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, War Machine, Black Panther... Um, Scarlet Witch, Vision, Falcon, uh, Bucky Barnes, Loki, Guardians of the Galaxy, Groot, Rocket, you know, all those guys. Um, and it's got Josh Brolin as Thanos. So, uh, yeah, Avengers Infinity War. Derek, do you want to kick us off for your general thoughts? How does this movie fit into the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I just overall, I loved the movie. I think it was very different than I thought it was going to be. It's kind of hard to like, it's hard for me to compare it to the other Marvel movies because it's, it's just its own thing. It's so different than anything they've done before. And it's so big. Like, I don't even, I can't even think of another movie just in general to compare it to. Like, to have so many intersecting stories all convulge into one story at the same time and have it work as well as it did, it's it's something else. I don't want to, I, I think it's one of their better movies. I don't necessarily think it's their best movie, but at the same time, like I said, it's kind of hard for me to really compare, like, what what even qualifies as their best? Like, this is their boldest movie. It's their biggest movie. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Do you, How does it compare to the other Avengers movies? Like, what you would consider an Avenger movie, how does it compare to those ones? 
Do you think it's the best Avengers movie? For the, I mean, I'm not counting Civil War an Avengers movie. I think that it is easily my favorite Avengers movie. Okay. I kind of I kind of consider Captain America I would consider it an Avengers movie, but in my head they're kind of similar. Like I kind of I kind of do like a a quote, you know, Avengers movie, you know, like in right. quotes Captain America Civil War is an Avengers movie. And um yeah, I would definitely put Captain America in front of it. But, yeah, I mean um, like well for me Civil War is almost like a it's as perfect of a Marvel movie as they've made in my book. And I think that that just goes from everything. I think they have a really tight plot. It's not it's not a big giant plot in Civil War. It's actually fairly simple. It's like a, it's just a battle of like ideologies. And I think what makes Civil War work is that it has all these really great set pieces that are executed to perfection. And they're very memorable action scenes. And it's the same thing with Winter Soldier. I think the Russos just have like an ability to make scenes like that that are memorable. Like they're they're the kind of scenes that I remember like when I compare it to like the Matrix. There's like set pieces in the Matrix that I watch on YouTube all the time because I just they're so cool. It's the same thing with Winter Soldier and Civil War. I don't think Infinity War really has that. Very good point. But I also don't think it needs that. It's something different. Like, it shouldn't have that. I, so I can't really hold that against it. So that's why it's so hard for me to compare. I don't really know. Like, the, what it does have is bigger, more important, and edgier, and probably just as well executed. It's just so different. I can't really... I don't know. It's So, yeah, this movie is also directed by the same people that did Winter Soldier and Civil War, the Russo brothers. Um yeah, so I mean that's that's a really good point about the set pieces. Um, so Brandon, what are your general thoughts about these movies? So I thought Infinity War was better than I expected it to be, and I'm a big fan of the Russos and the second and third Captain America movies and what they did with that. I think those are some of the better Marvel movies they have. I don't necessarily know if this beats it, but it is so ambitious, and for the most part. They do a good enough job holding this insane film together that should never exist. And it's super impressive. And I I was even questioning if they could pull it off. And I think for the most part, they did. And I just got out of this movie like two hours ago. It's still super fresh in my head. And I'd, I had a pretty great time watching it. Well, great. Um, I You know, guys, I love the MCU. Um, this movie left me feeling kind of cold, though. I'm still trying to process these feelings. I don't know. I don't know how much I enjoyed it. And I think part of that is, uh, yeah, I think part of that is purposeful. Like this is definitely like the empire strikes back of, of the Marvel movies. Like it is clearly like it's, it's, it's dark, you know, it's a lot, it was a lot darker than I could have really ever expected. And I, you know, we're not going to go into spoilers on it, but, um, we are going to go into spoilers on it, but we're going to we're, later on, we're going to go into that. But right now, um, you know, I, I was kind of on some level, I was kind of bummed out on what you were talking about earlier that they weren't, I did feel like they nailed how everyone fit into the world and how everyone interacted with each other. But there wasn't just because of how many people they had, they didn't have as, 
as much time and it just felt like almost everything went a little too quick for me. Like there was some good quibs, there's some good interaction, but I feel like there weren't really any huge memorable moments for most of the characters. Like I can think of one big moment for Iron Man, but almost everyone else I'm kind of like what was like their really awesome moment that we got to like really fully enjoy. It just kind of felt like everything just kind of, you know, skimmed the surface and just, just went really quick. Um, and I feel bad about it because I really love these movies, but, um, did you experience that at all? Or am I just like hating on it right now? I think that's its biggest problem. Um, Derek brought up the set pieces. I think that kind of relates to this. I don't know if you're talking about characters or their abilities and the action, but to me, I really wanted more specificity in their action scenes. For the most part, it was a big jumbled mess of everybody taking turns swinging as hard as they could. Um, I didn't necessarily see individual people use their powers like in smart or intelligent ways that really like made you kind of gasp or, you know, there was no um, Quicksilver scene for almost anybody the entire movie. Like, no one got right. their moment to shine. They, like, kind of barely did that with, or a more relatable, like, Guardians 2 with, um, like, a Yondu action scene with his dart that just, like, is almost so creative, it's beautiful. They maybe kind of gave that to Groot for a split second towards the end with Iron Man, but... I, I wish they had like honed in on their abilities a little bit more and gave each person something like either in slow motion or significant or impactful that they were able to do with it. Kind of like telling you why they were there, why they're a part of this team. I think that's exactly what I'm talking about, except like kind of both. You said like, I don't know if you're talking about characters or abilities, but I'm kind of talking about both. Like Derek, I'm with you. I think Civil War is the best Marvel has put out so far because they like they balanced like each character, you know, it was, it was a smaller story, but it was very emotional. Like I could name almost every character in that movie. And there's either like a really great character moment or like a really cool power moment. You know, there's, there's Ant-Man and his giant man moment. And then there's like also like Black Widow when she like makes a big character moment in that movie, like Infinity War, there's just a lot of like interaction and then punching and stuff. Nothing really, really exciting or eventful from our characters. I disagree, but I'll have to touch on it in the spoiler section. But I will say something that I don't think is really a spoiler. They've been kind of advertising it as such in interviews and stuff. <clears throat> I think a big part of why we don't see a lot of those moments is because, I mean, maybe you guys got a different vibe, but Thanos is very much the main character of this movie. We spend the majority of the movie with Thanos, and therefore I think there's a lot less opportunities for these other characters to have these big set pieces and these big moments like it kind of just makes sense and kind of works that those moments aren't here and i i think that's all very intentional and what you're feeling is also very intentional i feel i think it is I... so totally and like that's a really good point, Derek. Like, this was definitely Thanos' movie. And for the record, like, I'm definitely going to see this again, and I hope that I like it more the second time. I wrote that in my review for this movie, is that this is pure Thanos. Like, he's so much more interesting and complicated than I really could have imagined. And it's like, it's, a, it's in a different way than Killmonger from Black Panther, you know, where, like, you know, you see where he's coming from, and you're, like, pretty much with him. 
you know, you might not be with Thanos at all in this movie, but you like, but you're forced to be with him the whole time. Like there's a real like pride and sadness in what he's doing and what his goal is. And you can really feel it. Josh Brolin, like really, you know, he's got all the purple and colorful makeup on, but underneath he's like, he's really like carrying a lot in that role. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get into spoilers. Okay. We're going to get into spoilers now. Um, Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Don't listen any further because there's a lot of things that happen. So the success of this movie depends on you not having anything spoiled, even the smallest detail. And uh, Thanos will come and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I have an intro spoiler question. Uh-huh. What was Thanos's kill fifty percent of the population goal? As much as I liked Thanos, I feel like I just missed one explanation there. Like his reasoning? About what he thought would improve with half of the universe gone. I think his his whole thing was that there's a finite amount of energy and space or whatever in the universe. And so like there people just keep spreading and things just keep getting bigger and bigger. And his goal is that, hey, if I just cut it in half and balance it out. There needs to be balance in the universe and things are off balance right now. So if I balance them out and kill off, you know, this many people, Hey, things will, things will be beautiful. So so it was about resources. Yeah. I I heard him say that, but then I like, I feel like they didn't show. He, he makes the biggest that like blatant comparison in the flashback to Gamora when she was young and well, actually I guess it's after that when they're in the throne room and he's kind of trying to like explain to her what he's doing. And he says that he back on her planet before she came there, it was covered in war. People were dying of hunger and even her herself, she was, you know, she wasn't even able to eat every day. And after he came, not a single person went hungry again. And so, and so that's kind of like, I think that's just his, that's his visualization. Like that's how we're supposed to be able to our entryway into his perspective. I mean, obviously it's like, it's still genocide. Earth is kind of like, fine. But yeah, it's like <laughs> his, his thing is like, well, what, but would he solve world peace? It's kind of like a, it's kind of, I, I, look at it as a less intellectual way of like kind of like the Dr. Manhattan Ozymandias thing. Like, like does he solve world peace by eliminating 50% of the planet? Like, like maybe. And that's kind of his point. Like, like you're, you all will thank me. The ones that are still alive, you know, in 50, a hundred years or wherever, when, you know, you're still here, you know, that's my flourishing and stuff. Yeah. I um okay. I have a I have a lot of questions with that, but I did like the him thinking it was a self sacrifice and his like final shots in his little hut alone by himself. Like I liked the direction of that idea. I'm not sure if it totally makes sense yet. Maybe we'll get more explanation later. I wish they'd done a better job to say that up in other movies. You know, where like they mentioned in, in Guardians, like, you know, I think Gamora says it like he's always just wanted to kill everybody. And like, but I don't know. It's like, I don't know if I fully like 
understood what that extent was or the reasoning behind it. But, you know, we've been te- they've been teasing Thanos for so long. I wish they, in the lead up to this epic monumental thing, they had just kind of set up the bad guy a little bit little bit more just because he was like the main character in this movie and every we knew everyone else so well and once he started getting the stones it was like he's got one he's got one like he got them all in this movie i i don't know i i was almost like surprised to see that he was able to he was able to get them all and then you know yeah, i, I was kind of wondering like they should have given him more stones throughout this last season of the marvel films like, it would have been cool if, like, other films ended with him getting stone. Right. More than just, like, God, he did, he accomplished so much in just this one movie. It could have been an interesting idea to have spread that out leading up to this movie. Right, that's what I'm saying. Which movie is it that he, in the post credit scenes, he puts the gauntlet on and he says, fine, I'll do it myself? Because I think, like, the timeline is convoluted as it is. I think this movie is supposed to kind of kick off very closely after that. I think that was Guardians 1. Yeah, it might and have been. Guardians 2 happens, and then, you know... And then well, Guardians the 2 is only, Thor like, Ragnarok. two weeks after Guardians 1 or whatever, too, though. That's why this is so convoluted. Like, they kind of mess... I don't know. I don't know. Is it convoluted, though? I feel like it, all the movies just take place after the next one. <laughs> well, they don't, though. That's the thing. <laughs> that's why it's convoluted. Is that it feels like they do, but they... they they don't really like the the problem is they wanted to structure it they wanted to actually have specific dates for everything and once they started introducing those that's when everything got fucked up because yeah if they didn't do that we would have just assumed they go in order but then like like Spider-Man Homecoming's infamous for messing up the whole timeline and like they've come out recently and said yeah that was just a mistake that made it to the final cut of the movie like Wait, we, what they do and what happened in Spider-Man Homecoming? They say there's a there's a thing that says like eight years later, I think, after the opening scene, and they've the Russos have come out and said, oh yeah, that was supposed to be like in hindsight, it's actually four years later, we like somehow that made it all the way to the final cut of the movie. So it's like little things like that, and I don't know. I try not to really care too much about the specific timeline because ultimately it doesn't really affect anything unless you're trying to keep a chart. But Yeah, I mean, I honestly haven't even looked into it at all, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry we went on this, like, weird hand. <laughs> I just okay. was like... I have, a, I have a question for you guys, <laughs> super specific. Uh, what did you guys think of the Hulk's Iron Man suit? I didn't have any problem with it. I don't know. I didn't really have much of an opinion on it. <laughs> I, yeah, I have no opinion on that, to be honest. Like, it was just there. Was was there a reason for him not being able to become the Hulk, or like I was kind of wondering if like he wanted didn't want to be in makeup? Or... Does this have to do with what you were saying earlier, Derek? That like okay, so the the heroes didn't have many big Hulk moments. I mean, straight up Hulk like got his ass kicked in the first five minutes and then he didn't come back at all. <laughs> yeah. So like, like, do you think the second one is going is going to have those moments? Like, are they're not they're not giving us like some awesome shit because they're like this is the movie where awesome shit doesn't happen. The next yeah. one, like, <laughs> cool stuff will happen. Well, here's what I think this movie is. This movie is all about failures and shortcomings. Every single per- no matter how amazing they've been in all these movies, no matter how they've always prevailed, this in this movie against this opponent, they've 
every single person came up short. Every, except for Iron Man. He actually did everything right, and everyone else kind of fucked everything up. But they, like, everyone came, everyone fell short. No one was able to pull their weight when, when it came to facing, like, their biggest challenge. I think that comes with everyone. Like, Thor literally could have saved the entire movie at the very last second. And Thanos even points it out, like, you should have gone for the head. Like, like what the fuck are you thinking? Even. Yeah, like, his what? Arm. If he had just cut off his arm, he could have, like, they'd have the gauntlet, you know, run off. I don't know. And, that, like, that is really cool to me. Like, that gives me so much respect for this movie, that they are willing to do that. With these characters, they've worked so hard to prove how good, how noble, and how, like, how strategic and just smart they've become over all these movies they were not ready for this kind of failure. And as soon as it starts happening, they are completely unable to recover. None of them are able to make it work. And, like, that is really fascinating to me. And that makes me like the movie more. Is that every time that this should have happened, it didn't. And they fail, like, they came up short. Like, the big set piece that I remember from this movie, and... I think it's the coolest looking one is on Titan when the Guardians, Iron Man and Spider-Man are all fighting Thanos and they almost beat him. Literally they have the gauntlet is on his fingertips. Right. right. And Star-Lord just can't get over himself and fucks everything up. And Gosh. like that is so cool to me. Like that gives me chills yeah. just thinking about it like that they're willing to like say that like these characters they've been crafting their flaws can destroy the universe like they're they they can be bigger villains just by not being able to cope with like base like things that are happening i don't know like to me that is that makes this movie so worth it just being able to go through an experience like that and we're probably never going to get a movie like that ever again like because how do you sell a movie that's all about your heroes not like not being able to be heroic and then ending the movie with that like all of your heroes failed and they all none of them could get the job done goodbye like i don't know that's a one that's a once in a lifetime kind of ending a lot of this is reminding me of like star wars last jedi you know, that's kind of what Star Wars Last Jedi was about, was how everyone failed. It was kind of the same way, except yeah. even that one ended on a little more hope. Like, this one was this one was dark. Thanos won, and immediately he achieved his goal, and he executed his goal of killing half the people. And we got to see, like, all of, like, half of our heroes just disappear and like turn to dust and fade away and i mean it was it was very visually kind of stunning and surreal to see all of that yeah it was the best part of the movie it was like you could tell the director sat back and thought so hard how to show you each and every one of those deaths and it was it was actually moving maybe just because it's so wild and crazy but i wish they were able to put that much specific creativity in a lot of the earlier like moments of the film. But that ending was so incredible. Spider-Man falling on Tony Stark's shoulder. It was pretty upsetting to watch. <laughs> yeah, I like started tearing up a little bit. I agree with you, Brandon. That was like, it was very visually like, you know, amazing. I'm just like, I'm, I'm, 
a part of me is stuck a little bit in like, like I got drawn out of that moment because I knew all of them were really going to be dead. You know, I felt like, you know, they did this switcheroo where, uh, you know, going into the movie, I had like so many conversations about who's going to die. Is it going to be Iron Man or is it going to be Captain America? It's, you know, one of those two, obviously. And they almost gave us the moment where Captain America died or where Iron Man died. And I thought it was I thought they actually foreshadowed it earlier in the movie, like when Tony first came on the ship and he was out of Earth's atmosphere and he talked to Pepper on the phone, and she was like, you better come back. Like, get off that ship, come back to Earth right now. And it was, like, really emotional, and she was angry, and you could hear it in her voice, and he just, like, turned it off. And I I, I teared up during that part. I thought that was, like, that, that, like, Tony Stark just, like, left her. Yeah. There was more distress in her voice in that scene than, like, most any other place in the film. And then... And then, like, at the end of the movie, you know, Iron Man has his, like, one-on-one fight with Thanos. And he, like, he throws everything at him. And he punches him in the face. And Thanos just, like, laughs at him. It's, like, the most brilliant, like, heel thing where he just, like, has, like, some blood on his face. He's, like, all of that for just one shot. You know, or whatever he says. He's, like, just a scratch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then he just, like, they just, like beats the shit out of Iron Man and he like almost kills him and like like I felt like everyone around me was like this is it like they're gonna kill off Iron Man right I here. definitely knew he was dying right there right like I was like I was like everyone around me is preparing for this like this is I, I was like I'm not ready for this this is fucked up like no shit like if like I felt like it was like when Han Solo died you know it was like this is happening like oh my god and then they didn't kill him you know, they like they stopped and they, you know, they switched it. They like it was it was a red herring. You know? And so instead of Iron Man dying, you know, everyone else died, you know, like Black Panther, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. And these are all people, though, that we know are going to have another movie, which is like fine. And like, I, of course, we all know that like that ending isn't permanent. Like, I'm not even like it's not even dumb for us to be like thinking it, but it is like a symptom of like that death wasn't all those people dying wasn't as emotional as if Iron Man had died. If Iron Man had died, that would have been like a real moment that we fully believed in, you know, like when other people died earlier in the movie, but this was like, I feel that moment still coming and that this is like, we're getting an Avengers in a a year from now, like only two Marvel movies in the future. We'll be seeing the sequel to this Avengers. And I feel like we're going to get that big death still. And this momentary death is just uh, more of like one of the biggest hurdles we've ever seen. And it's like a big plot point. Well, also, like, that would have been kind of a letdown, I think, for Iron Man's story. Like, it would have just been like he was right the whole time and he died for it. I, I hope, like, we can get a fully rounded, like, conclusion to this whole, like, Tony Stark story that's been happening over all of these movies. We've had this big evolution, and he had this vision of the end game, you know, in Avengers Age of Ultron. And now, like, he was right. Like, all of this, everything he's been worried about, all these times he's been trying to protect the planet from what he doesn't even know, like, just something that's coming. He was right the whole time. And it finally came, and they still couldn't do it as as much as often as he was correct, and as much as he put everything his 
his life, all of his relationships on the line, they still could not do it. And everybody died because of it. And he was left there alone. With, well, I think he's, it's just him and Star-Lord, right? I think that's it. Everybody else faded away. And now he's just no, like... No, Star-Lord's gone. Star-Lord faded away too? So is he by himself completely? Oh, yeah. The only event, the only Guardians of the Galaxy that's alive is Rocket. Okay, so Tony was left on Titan by himself? I think there was someone up there with him. Not a Guardian. Well, it was only him and the Guardians. It was the only people there. And Spider-Man. And Doctor Strange, but they both went away. Yeah, so he's alone. So that's even, like, more freaking heartbreaking. Like, as far as he knows, everyone died, and he was left alone in his, like, failure on this planet who knows how far away from Earth. He doesn't even know what's going on. (laughs) Like, Is he with the girl? Oh, oh, no. um, Nebula, she's alive still. She was left standing there with him, that's right. Right, yes. Yeah, I like I like everything you're saying. And like I feel like maybe I'm just still in just like I might just be in the moment still of being like like worked. Yeah. You know, I feel like this movie was just a downer on like every way and I'm like I'm just sitting here being like, Well what happened to like you know, cool stuff, you know, and I, <laughs> I'm I, I I'm definitely gonna see it again. And I hope that like it bump it gets bumped up a lot because you know everything you're saying is like you know if if the next one has the same quality except things are going better for the guys, you know it'll be like such a beautiful story. It'll be so so great to see it all come together again. But um, you know who got a short end of the stick? Vision. <laughs> yeah, he got stabbed <laughs> in the chest so many times. He had and then no he just chance. was like hurt the whole movie. Yeah, but hurt on different occasions the whole movie. Like as soon as he was like ready to fight again, the first thing that happened to him was he just got stabbed in the chest. Yeah, that guy had no chance throughout the whole movie. It's just like <laughs> just constantly limping along trying to survive. Yeah. Just to kind of geek out on like the story, like the big big story and plot um I think it's really cool. Like I loved the, the Doctor Strange stuff is probably the most important for like trying to guess what's going to happen in the next movie. But right. he's like um, he let it happen. He let it happen. We know we know a couple of things. We know that of like the whatever millions of scenarios that he ran, there's only one scenario in which they were able to defeat Thanos. Now, he doesn't say that they're going to win and everyone's going to live. Says there's only one scenario in which we can stop Thanos and kill Thanos. You know, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see everything undone. But there's one scenario, and the scenario is Thanos has to win this fight, right? And he has he has to kill everybody. Like, what's really interesting to me, and in that means that we're probably going to get like in the next movie. There's probably going to be some time. Like, that's just in the wake of Thanos killing everybody. We have no idea what's going to happen, like, because we don't even know the extent of Doctor Strange's abilities or what other realms may exist that people could have been sent to or whatever. But I know Christina actually brought up something to me that I didn't even notice, but the Red Skull, uh, when Thanos goes to get the Soul Stone... Yeah, he's from the first Captain America. yeah. But he warns Thanos, he's like, all this that you're doing, like, it's not, it's not going to have the outcome that you think it will. 
all this sacrifice, everything you're putting yourself through, you're not going to be satisfied with the result. And I think I think that is a foreshadowing to uh, how, what Thanos thinks is actually happening when he gladly annihilates you know fifty percent of the universe. Well, and no one just like sits in their cabin, you know, at the end of the day, and just is like, oh well, I'm done for life, you know. It just... Right. Well, and that's the other thing. Like, they still have to fight Thanos again. Like, it's not. I don't know. Like, I don't think they're over the big hump yet. They think like Thanos is still more strong, like stronger than he's been when they couldn't fight him. So now the big question is going to be like, how are the new additions going to help? Like bringing in Captain Marvel and how are they going to outsmart him? Like, what are they going to be able to do to actually defeat this guy? And I think that's where we're probably going to get the more permanent deaths. Overall, I really, really like the movie. I think there's, it's really cool that there's so much to talk about and unpack. And um, I think the parts that I'm dissatisfied with were Captain America didn't really have much to do in the movie, which is kind of a shame because he's such a big, important part of their universe. And also the Russos are really good directing Captain America. Like yeah. right, I remember right when he showed up, everyone cheered, and then he had an awesome fight. And I was like, they get him. Like, they get Captain America. They know what works with him. Yeah. But then he kind of had to... I mean, I think he kind of... Just the story lends itself to the bigger uh, characters that are able to you know, leave the planet and like do all the big, spectacular things. So it kind of makes sense that they that he didn't really have a huge role in this. I mean, it was pretty cool to see him, like, be able to hold back Thanos's punch for a little bit. But uh, other than that... So I, I do have one, like, big complaint that I want to bring up. Um, it's pretty specific to this film. I was pretty curious at, like, how bad of a job they did at the set design on a lot of the locations of this movie. Like almost all of it, it kind of started reminding me of um, like Batman versus Superman and Zack Snyder movies. Like a lot of it was just gray, destroyed background in space from Peter Dinklage's planet to the like spaceship that Iron Man and Spider-Man were on to Thanos's planet to even the planet with the like red face guy and even the planet with the like toy maker or collector, like all those are just the exact same in my head. There's almost no distinguishing features and it was just like all ruins and fire and like gray rubble. And it kind of like started to my head getting really monotonous. And I was like shocked that they didn't like, it was only New York and Wakanda that had actual differences in color and interesting like locations. I mean, they were all, all of those locations, like the plot kind of lends itself to them being in the wake of Thanos' destruction the whole time too. Like, I get, I mean, the only way to not have that would have been to change that, how the story unfolds, which would be, they'd have to be in front of him destroying everything. Right? That is true. He did just like ravish everywhere he went. Like he just blows the shit to everything he goes to. I mean, or change how his character, like, attacks and stuff. I don't know. Like, I do get what you mean, 
It's everything was kind of desolate. I mean, the planet with the red skull. I think that was. Um, they go there. That was the. They go there coolest. in Thor: The Dark World too. That's where Loki dies in Thor: The Dark World. Mm-hmm. So that was like a pre-established kind of thing, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't, that that didn't really get to me too much. I liked all the Peter Dinklage stuff. I thought that was a cool. No idea who he is. Have we seen him before? No, he was introduced this movie. Oh, okay, good. But okay. we just know all we know is that he makes like the weapons of the gods, like right, right. That was an interesting way to at least start to bring Thor's um, his character arc to a close. You know, that was such a comic booky scene with how they like started, yeah, like jump starting the planet or the star. Yeah, that was super comic booky. Cool. Um, well, I think we should kind of wrap this up, guys. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see it again. I just want to say that, like, I definitely, you know, I'm going to go see it again and, um, I hope I like it more. You know, I just, I, um, it was just weird to me seeing how I just want, this is like, this doesn't always happen to me where everyone is like loving something and I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know. It didn't make me feel good. (laughs) So, um, just really quickly, what, where would you toss it in like the. Well, I mean, uh, it'd be in the top ten, <laughs> but okay. like it'd be it'd be above Age of Ultron, um, far underneath Civil War, though. You know, for once, I liked a Marvel film more than Nick. Whoa, I know this. <laughs> this is this is really that. And that's what I mean. Like that's why this is so weird. <laughs> so shocking. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna see it again, and hopefully, I'll you know, knowing what's gonna happen, I'll be able to like. Uh, you know, have a, a bigger scale and, you know, appreciate what it's doing. Try to see the long view. Yeah. But that was Avengers Infinity War that just came out. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Cool. So um, real quick, we're going to talk about some of the movies that are coming out in May that we're pretty excited about. Brandon, what's our first one? Um, so I'm pretty excited about this film, uh, Tully, uh, which is starring uh charlie's theron apparently she like gained a bunch of weight for this role and it's been getting really strong buzz um it comes out may 4th um next week and i'm excited to see it it's a reteaming of ivan reitman and uh diablo cody too oh that's basically the team that brought you juno like the ivan reitman directed juno and she wrote it Juno. oh really nice yeah that's cool yeah, they're saying this is the uh, the trilogy, you know, Juno, and then Young Adult, and now uh, Tully. Oh, that kind of makes sense, actually. I haven't seen Young Adult, but why? Why did you guys give me Life of the Party? I don't know. I don't even. I don't even <laughs> like Melissa McCarthy at all. Like I'm. I'm no like the does. furthest person. Nobody to... does. You got it. You got it. So there. another movie that's coming out in May is Life of the Party. Which comes out May 11th. It's the new Melissa McCarthy movie. So if you're into Melissa McCarthy, you should see it. I, I don't know. I don't really like. Ms. I don't know why you guys gave this one to me. I don't. I have a little. I got a little fun fact nugget. Her and her husband wrote that movie, The Boss, and then her husband directed it. And now this is their second movie that they both wrote together, and he's oh. directing too. Oh, I didn't see The Boss, but I don't. I didn't really want to either, so yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch I'm gonna switch this over here. 
<laughs> so an, another movie that um, I think already came out in New York here, uh, April 27th, is called Disobedience. Um, the trailer for this movie looks fucking crazy. Um, Rachel Weiss will probably get an Oscar for this role. Um, some weird, like, acidic Jewish lesbian film. And I don't know if you guys heard about it, but it's getting great reviews. I think I saw the trailer. Yeah, I definitely... I'm very excited about this movie. The, Yeah, the acting for this movie has gained, like, tremendous budge. And I'm a big fan of both of those ladies. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Who's the other? The Rachels. Yeah, it's Rachel Weisz and Rachel McAdams. Oh, Rachel McAdams. Okay. Derek, what's the next movie you're excited about? Uh, Deadpool 2 comes out pretty soon, May 18th. Uh, this one's actually directed by David Leitch, who was basically the uncredited co-director of the John Wick movies. And I think he directed, um, what was that? Charlie's Atomic Blonde. And uh, now he has this this movie. He's he's really really awesome at action. So there's no reason that Deadpool two shouldn't be super exciting. And I'm really excited to see the new addition of Peter to their team and see how it goes. I just saw the trailer for this for the first time, and um, it looks really funny. Yeah, and I'm really excited for Deadpool two now. All of a sudden, the the <laughs> image of that Peter guy skydiving with the team is yes i didn't get it until i just saw that trailer derek (laughs) and it ends with him getting accepted onto their team (laughs) oh it's gonna be hilarious so brandon what's the next movie we're excited about (laughs) um solo star wars do you want to do it nick (laughs) i just was like just now i'm thrown off you you gave me life of the party and then you took like three movies and it was like (laughs) like i could talk about a star wars story you know it's a star wars story is coming out may 25th memorial day weekend and it's it's directed by uh ron howard but it was it was lord and miller before that so you know it's kind of it's one of these movies where it's we're not really sure how great it's going to be considering uh, the directing switch, but it is uh, Disney and it's Star Wars, so uh, I don't know. Uh, it's coming out May 25th. What do you guys are you guys excited about Star Wars or Solo? Yeah, the new trailer's pretty interesting. Like it looks like a really solidly directed, well crafted movie. Uh, the lead sounds great, and I'm excited to hear how much he develops with Chewie because, like, the trailer really focuses on that. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I think, like, they they better pray that it works without Lauren Miller because they're, like, beloved in the industry and everyone was really excited for them to be directing this movie and the fact that they're not, now it's, like, now it also has that, like, burden to, to bury and hopefully... Hopefully Ron, I mean, Ron Howard's competent. I don't think there's any reason why this movie shouldn't be great, but uh, I think that's knows. the most you can, I think that's like the most specific thing you can say about Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah. Ron Howard is competent. Yeah. He knows how to make movies. He does. So that's good. <laughs> He's, He's um, made a few too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. It does make me, uh, I, I like that they're not using the Star Wars theme in the trailer. Like that makes it feel like a its own thing, and I think it needs to be. So that's a good sign, right? I said this during our uh, 
our summer movie wager episode, but I think so much of it like depends on if uh, people are able to buy in as someone else other than Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Yeah. I haven't seen the whole movie, but I saw, uh, was it Hail Caesar? Yeah. Is it, and that guy's in it. And someone at work was like showing me a scene with him in it. It was so freaking funny. I couldn't stop laughing. And so I think he's definitely got like the chops to to be a witty Han Solo character. But yeah, it's just hopefully it just lo- it looks right. Yeah. Yeah. He. I mean, he is great in Hail Caesar. Do, do you remember what scene it was? It was uh, Ray Fiennes is like directing him, and he's oh like my a gosh, right. cow- the slapping scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you remember what that line is that he like makes him say a bunch of times i don't remember <laughs> okay I have to look sorry this is a this is a tangent <laughs> that we don't need to be on yeah yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> anyway speaking of our summer movie wager episode uh you should go back and listen to that um to keep up on what movies are coming out this summer and how much money we think they're gonna make um i think with that though we can wrap up this podcast um derek where can people find you online uh Twitter, Letterbox, and Mixer at Chicken Tech. Brandon, what about you? You can find me on Letterbox at Beb, and you can find me on Instagram, uh, Brandon underscore Bulby. Cool. And I'm on Letterbox and Twitter as well at Mothman23. So, uh, you know, keep up with us on those those places. And um, unless you guys have anything else, um, we can say goodbye. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Now you just it as far as I can tell, you're just drinking your pee now. <laughs> <laughs>